Welcome to all of you uh, to our first summer worship service. It's great to be here with all of you. Yeah. We uh, will be worshiping at 10 o'clock now throughout the summer until we get to the other side of Labor Day. So uh, we're glad that you're here. An extra hour of sleep for most of us, which is wonderful, especially on a morning like this morning. I at this time of year, last Sunday, we had our Choir Appreciation Sunday, and I want to just take a moment to thank the Virginia Road Band and Jenny Jones. They do such an amazing job in our worship leadership. <laughs> Nobody puts in more time than our leaders in worship. They're practicing during the week, and they're here every Sunday morning. Uh, recently, at the door at the chancel on one occasion, I was being greeted by one of the members of the church who said, you know, I've always wanted a job that you have a sabbatical because I've got this sabbatical coming up. And I wanted to answer, you mean a job where you work every weekend and on holidays? <laughs> Virginia Road Band does as well. And so we really do appreciate how much they bring to our worship life together. This summer, we're beginning a series, and we've entitled it Reframed. We're going to be looking at the parables of Jesus throughout the course of the summer and the ways in which the parables invite us to reframe the way we see life and see ourselves in life. Uh, so I get the opportunity this morning to begin with you. Um, Parables are great because they take simple, ordinary experiences of life to which we can all relate, and they unpack important concepts like redemption or apocalyptic eschatology. What's that mean? But the parables bring it to life for us in ways that they're understandable for us. So I want to read to you from the 13th chapter of Luke, beginning in the 18th verse, these parables about the mustard seed and the yeast. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? Well, it's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in the garden. It grew and it became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? Well, it's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, it's interesting to note that how inclusive Jesus was in these two examples in one, a man planting, in the other, a woman kneading yeast into the dough. Most of us probably don't need to be reminded of the power of small things. I don't know what you all talked about in the moment when we were doing the meet and greet and asked to reflect on some small gift that you were given that had huge significance. One of the people I was talking to said, our baby, right? Uh, another said, this diamond ring. I said, my wife, she's 5'1". <laughs> she's packed with energy. 
So we don't need to be reminded necessarily that good things come in small packages or that small things have enormous power. Maybe you've been paying some attention to this measles outbreak that's occurring in the country. We thought that we had sort of eradicated this disease through vaccination, but the fact that many people are choosing not to be vaccinated and that others are coming into the country without the vaccinations, that measles now, again, is spreading in uh, a destructive way. This infectious disease, small, but with powerful consequences, if you're the principal of a school and you have an outbreak of measles, it has powerful implications for the school and for the community. The first hearers of this parable about the mustard seed and the yeast, they knew that yeast leavens the whole loaf, but they knew nothing about things that we know about, like the atom bomb. That atom bomb, the splitting of an atom, was what ended World War II. On this Memorial Weekend, I thought I'd reflect on that a little bit. In splitting the atom and two atom bombs, one in Hiroshima and the other in Nagasaki, it ended finally the Pacific Theater of the War in 1945. So we hardly need to be reminded of the significance of small things and the power that they pack. Living in a nuclear age, concerned about nuclear proliferation, and this kind of power falling into the wrong kinds of hands. Jesus is saying there's tremendous power in small things that are it's surprisingly outsized compared to the seeming insignificance. Don't be fooled by the appearance of things. Reframe your thinking so you understand that what appears most important is actually less important than you think. And those things you think of little importance are actually so much more important than you think. Years ago, Tom Sign wrote a book entitled The Mustard Seed Conspiracy in the early 1980s. And I read that book with great enthusiasm back at that time. He wrote, quote, Jesus let us in on an astonishing secret that God has chosen to change the world through the lowly, the unassuming, and the imperceptible. This has always been God's strategy, changing the world through the conspiracy of the insignificant, end quote. So essentially, you know, he's saying, don't be disillusioned by the fact that changes are not happening as quickly as you want them to, and don't despair that the world does not seem to be changing for the better. In fact, sometimes seems to be getting worse. God is thrusting you and me into the loaf, into the world like a baker thrusts the starter into the meat, into the um, dough, in order that it might rise. You and I are the seeds 
that carry our futures within ourselves. And God intends to use us in the world as leaven, like mustard seeds planted that grow into something out of all proportion to the seeming insignificance of the size of the seed. Trust that life and the life that is in you will come to fruition. Bloom where you're planted and allow the Lord to use you to bring in the reign of God. I have a friend, Bob Goff. You may have heard of him. He wrote a book, Love Does. He was in the church that I served in San Diego years ago. And he reminded me a couple years ago when I was with him that sometimes a good idea just needs a quarter turn to become a great idea. That's what reframing is about. Your life, just a quarter turn, can become much more significant than you ever dreamed or imagined. Surrounded as we are by sort of gigantic events that happen in life and huge institutions in modern society, we are often left feeling kind of helpless and insignificant in the face of life. What can one person do in this life to make a difference? Well, not as much as he or she might think or wish, but much more than you imagine. Colonial America, 1770s. Debates were raging over what action the colony should take relative to England. The Stamp Act had been passed. Its enforcement was a source of bitterness even for those who tried to remain loyal to England. What should we do? Thomas Paine thrust a little book called Common Sense deep within the dough of colonial life and thought. Our aim, he says, our purpose is summed up in a single word, freedom. Freedom is our natural right and therefore our lawful objective and purpose. Let all that we do be done in the name of freedom and let us live under her or die for her. That leaven quickly infected, affected the dough of the colonies and soon copies of common sense were almost as plentiful as Bibles throughout the colonies. That idea still guides the thinking today as our country deals with issues now, freedom. I still hear that in that Scottish brogue, right? <laughs> if you saw the, the movie um, with Mel Gibson. Braveheart, thank you, yeah. That comes right out of Thomas Paine. Think of the people in your life who at critical moments affected you. And I'll bet that they would be surprised to hear you tell them how important they were in your life at a particular moment. Because we never know when these moments are going to come that become instrumental, that quarter turn. 
Think about all the people that you are in contact with on a weekly basis. Think of the many interactions you have now and how a small change in your thinking and your interactions with other people might affect them, might impact them for the gospel of Christ. This week, my wife and I were driving late to a luncheon appointment. We were up on Lake, and we had this plan to slide into the parking lot and then race across, and we knew that people were waiting for us. And we came around the corner of the street, and we were going to go down the driveway to the parking lot, and they had it all busted up. All the concrete was busted up. There was no way to get in there. And, of course, everybody is up there at lunchtime looking for a parking space. So we pull into a lot, and cars are circling, just waiting for somebody to pull out, right? And we come around the corner in that parking lot, and just as somebody's backing out of a parking spot, and my wife says, boy, the Lord must like you. (laughs) So we pulled in, and as we got out of the car, we were kind of surprised the car that had just pulled out was still there. And the window rolled down, and this... African-American man in the driver's seat said, here, and he handed me a parking pass. He said, I paid for a full day of parking. You might be able to use this. Now, what an amazing gift. Just in a moment, just in a small interaction that didn't require anything, wasn't expected at all. But here, somebody just in the common interaction on a busy afternoon, everybody looking for a place to park extended a kindness and a generosity that you, you can't help but kind of pay forward. It, it changes the way you f- see yourself in the world. We are all capable of those kind of interactions. Never underestimate what those small kindnesses may mean to people. Nature is abundant in seed planting. Those of you who have allergies know this, (laughs) right? Every tree and plant produces so many more seeds than are needed for replacement. We struggle in this season because the air is just full of pollen. It sets on our cars and on our patio furniture. You have to wash it off all the time. We should follow the lead of nature that's extravagant, in throwing seeds around. You never know where they're going to land or where they'll produce fruit. I have here my father's discharge papers from the U.S. Army. And I thought on this this weekend of Memorial Day weekend, usually I keep separate church and state. I believe in the separation of church and state. But on this Memorial Weekend, I thought I might honor my father's service, and in doing so, might honor all those who've served our country. At the time of his discharge, he was in Michigan at Fort Custer, and he was in the uh, Percy Jones Hospital Center when he received his discharge in August 1945. He served in the Third Army And as many of you know, uh, that was Patton's army. 
He was also in the Army 8th Corps, the 87th Infantry Division, the 345th Regiment, 1st Battalion. And on Christmas Eve 1944, as the Battle of the Bulge was raging, he and another soldier were in a jeep behind enemy lines with resupplies for the front lines. And they ran over two landmines in that jeep. And they both were thrown into the air like rag dolls. When finally my father landed, he began to try and take inventory of his injuries. He began to wiggle his toes and he realized he couldn't move his legs. He began to wiggle his fingers and the arm that he thought was lying over his stomach was actually up here somewhere. And he had one arm that he could use. His other, the other soldier was unconscious, but he didn't know that. He assumed he was dead. And he laid there in the ground with one arm and a machine gun and a clip on his chest, not knowing what the future would hold. He had buried his father a year before, 1943. So he had been close to death, and he thought this was the end of his life. He was 24 years old. Thankfully, his prayers were answered. In a little while, the other soldier came too, and he was ambulatory. And so after a brief time of talking, that soldier got up and went for help. Meanwhile, my father continued to lie there hoping that he'd be rescued by the Americans and not the Germans. Thankfully, they did get to him, the Americans. They came in with minesweepers before they could get in to rescue him. And they grabbed him and they got him to a field hospital. There was a large piece of shrapnel that was, had entered in the, his lower back and was laying up against his spine. That was the reason he couldn't move his legs, but thankfully it hadn't severed the spine. And in emergency surgery in that field hospital, they went in through his stomach and were able to remove that shrapnel and take it off the spine. And they had to rebuild his elbow and much of his arm, but thankfully they were able to salvage that. And he had 60% use of his arm uh, for the rest of his life. And uh, they couldn't get him out of the field hospital because the Battle of the Bulge was raging so significantly. And if you know anything about World War II history, this was the last great offensive of the Germans at the end of the war. And so he had to stay in this field hospital for a long time before they could get him to Paris and then get him over into uh, this country to get medical care. And he spent the rest of the year 1945 in that hospital until he was discharged the end of August. Um, he went on to have a wonderful life. Five kids, lived for another 50 years, died 25 years ago. But in those moments that he was there lying, thinking his life was over, the quarter turn happened. Came to a very different understanding about life. The power of one life lived, given, 
invested for the sake of others. So the rest of his life, he gave back in significant ways. The Red Cross became such an important dimension of his life because of the way they cared for him during that whole time, that nine months that he was injured and trying to recover. Now, early 1951, he's out here in California in San Diego and he goes on a blind date and meets my mother for the first time, who's a nurse in uh, San Diego. And he falls in love with her. Two weeks after they met, he asks her to marry him. Now, he had been dating, you know, post-World War II. There were a lot of widows in this country. And he had dated all sorts of women. He was 31 years old. But when he met my mother, something clicked. And he said to her, I really believe that God allowed me to remain alive because we belong together. It's a great pickup line. I, I've... Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if he ever used it before. I don't know, but. But it took another several weeks before my mother decided, okay, I think you're right. I think we belong together. And the rest is history. But, you know, there's critical moments in life where a little yeast changes the whole loaf. One small seed has within it its future and life. That's what Jesus is talking about. There's this life, the life that God intends. And though it looks very small when it begins in your life, just a little yeast but it affects everything and it changes the outcome of all. That is what the kingdom of God is like. So on this memorial weekend, we remember the sacrifices of countless men and women through the centuries that spent their early adulthood on battlefields, defending and preserving our freedom. And you grow up in a hurry in such places. You realize how fragile the thin membrane of civilization really is. And you realize how fragile and tenuous our hold on life really is. My point is that these small seeds that get planted within our lives and our souls when we pray when we make commitments, seemingly insignificant, lead to a future you can't imagine. Out of all proportion to the seeming insignificance at the time. So don't grow weary and don't be disillusioned and don't be in despair at the seeming insignificance of your life or your ability to effect change. 
God has thrust you and me into the world as an extension of the kingdom of God. And we can have an impact, however small. You'll never know the ramifications or the implications of your kindness, of your generosity, of your love for others. Through you and me, God intends to plant the kingdom of God in the lives of others, in this church, and in our communities. So what can one person do to make a difference? Well, not as much as you or me might wish, but much more than we imagine. <coughs> Join the mustard seed conspiracy and let the seemingly insignificant become the bearer of the abundant life that God intends for you and me. You and I are seeds that carry the future within us. Bloom where you're planted. You never know how reframing your thinking and just a quarter turn can change the way you live your life. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray together. And so, gracious God, we do give you thanks on this day for that which is only apparently insignificant but holds within it the grace and love of God, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that the kingdom of God has come in Christ and that we now are bearers of that same DNA and we are planted in the world in order that we might bring leaven to the loaf, seeds to the ground. Help us to do that with faithfulness, in faith, hope, and love. We pray all this in Christ's dear name. Amen.